Well, you've had so many touches that at some point the running backs, they start to fall off the table because of all the hits and all the touches and all the contact and all the injuries. So we can't pay you because we just gave you the ball 377 times. It's a patently unfair situation because some people seem to think that you could just plug in almost any running back and it would be the same. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's rare that I really appreciate what Greeny has to say, but I appreciate what Greeny has to say there because I think it's uh, false. I think it's a bad idea when people and organizations believe that you could just plug in any running back, and I know that, as many people have pointed out, when's the last time a big-time running back uh, helped a team win the Super Bowl or you know led a team to the Super Bowl? I get it, but I do think it's different. I don't think that you could just throw in any swing and D in the backfield and they're going to be just fine. That's just me, though. You know, I don't think Josh Jacobs and Zamir White are the same guys. I think Zamir White's going to be good, but I think Josh Jacobs is a different dude. I believe he's the engine to the Raiders team. I believe he's the identity of this Raiders team. And unfortunately, he plays a position that is just not respected. And that's the nuts and bolts of the situation. It's not his fault. It's just what it is across the NFL. James hit us up on Twitter and said, Q, I'd be shocked if Josh isn't there week one. The issue is is up until last year. Uh, the issue is up until last year. Never in McDaniel's career did he have a back carry more than 300 times. I believe it's a case of does the future money match the future production? I don't see a legacy deal for J- Jacobs. He says I fully expend I fully expect an expanded role for Zamir in the running back room and reduced touches for lead back in a McDaniel system. Again, that's from James on Twitter, good friend of the show. We definitely appreciate him. And yeah. Regardless of this contract situation, I expected an expanded role for Zamir White anyway. Uh, Again, 393 touches is a career high for Josh Jacobs. I don't expect him to get that uh, two years in a row. I just don't, right? So whatever the contract situation was going to end up being, I thought that there was going to be an expanded role for Zamir White. You drafted him for a reason. You didn't draft him there in the fourth round to look pretty for a couple years and not touch the ball, and then all of a sudden a couple years from now you need to give him a contract extension. At some time, at some point, you've got to give him a little bit of burn as well. And one side note, Mailman Raider hit us back up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Alaska doesn't see light from November to January. I don't know how they do it. I need at least a small tan. <laughs> That's from Mailman Raider right there. And I'm with you, brother. Look, I'm, I'm already in the dark enough, if you know what I mean. I sure don't need to be in the dark for three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't. Come on, man. <laughs> what, is, what did Sean Paul say back in the day? Just give me the light, right? I mean, that's all I need. I need a little bit of light. Give me something, something, man. It ain't got to be 115, but give me something. Like, work with your brother, man. Come on. Get, get, hook up, do something good for your country, man. Hook me up, right? That's, <laughs> that's all I got to say, man. Give me some light, man. It ain't got to be all that. You know, we can negotiate. If the week is seven days, give me three. Give me three days of light, all right? The other four days, we can, you know, act like Aaron Rodgers and we're in the dark, man. I, I don't want to be that guy, though. So, Mailman, thanks for the, the info, man. We do appreciate you. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. 702-365-9200. Here's our guy, Eddie, from L.A. What's on your mind, Eddie? Welcome to the show. How we doing, Q? How we doing? What are oh, blessed, man. We're blessed. Interesting day again, right, with the Raider Nation. It just seems like we can never get just the ball rolling, going in one direction. It's just there's always something going on. That's life of Raider fans, so we all have to deal with it. I understand the business side of things. We all know that most of the league right now has diminished the value of the running back. It doesn't mean that that makes them any less of a player. Right. However, the Raiders have always stood by by taking care of their, home, of their, uh, of their players, 
homegrown talent is something that we've always wanted and needed to keep around. Mm -hmm. And it just seems now that we actually have some homegrown talent worth keeping, we find ways not to. This is the only, this is the overall message that bothers me from what's coming out. Aside from what the rest of the league does, I I get the business side of things, but when you talk about Jacobson, the person that he is and what he was after, he stated himself, he doesn't need, He's not looking for a record-setting contract, but he, he's looking for something to, get to, uh, for, to be able to be taken care of, which is, he should be for the production he's been, been giving us. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're going to come out and say, okay, well, we're, we want him, we really like him, but we just don't want him at a certain number, then, then don't say that this is a team game. This is just a, a numbers game. You know, this is like money ball. If you're going to come out and you're going to say this is a team game and we're going we're gonna to treat players with respect, then treat the man with respect. If he's not asking to be a record-setting contract, I don't see why we can't work out a number to get on the field and start getting valuable reps. Now, does he, would we rather see him on the sideline getting rest and be ready for week one? Yes. But we don't know the new installation that, jo- that Josh is going to put into this year's, uh, uh, this year's running game versus last year's, how he imp- uh, plans to implement White and, every- and everybody else, et cetera, with Jimmy G. This is just more of the same where we're, uh, we're still wondering – what kind of a team is going to be ready to play for in, in uh, the first game of the year? And it's just it just seems like the last three years we're always doing the same thing and over and over. It's just drain. But it's just like anything else, man. Raider Nation, stay up. Raider Eddie, thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And, I mean, yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, as far as the homegrown guys, and that's something that I've preached all the time, you have to take care of the homegrown guys. That's a good message. And, you know, this staff did that when they first came in. They signed Max to a contract extension. They got Derek under contract. They got Hunter under contract. They got Darren Waller under contract. They took care of their homegrown guys. They got nothing in return from Waller, got nothing in return from Hunter Renfro, and then they shipped off Derek Carr, right? I mean, so, I mean, they did, and, of course, Max, he he lived up to his end of the bargain, right? Of course he did because Max Crosby is going to be Max Crosby, but they did that with homegrown guys, right? And I'm not saying that, that Josh didn't deserve a contract. He does. But think about this. Highest paid running backs in 2023, the five highest paid, Bijan Robinson, $13.7 million this year. Hasn't taken a snap in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, $12 million. Alvin Kamara, $11 million. Aaron Jones, who had to restructure his deal, $10.9. Nick Chubb, $10.8. Saquon and Josh Jacobs will be at $10.1. Just think about that. Bijan Robinson is going to be the highest paid running back this year. Hasn't taken a snap. In the NFL. T3 Raider Facts, you're up next. What's on your mind, T3? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing this evening? Uh, we're blessed. Hey, listen, uh, Q, you've said it often and often and often. You know, sometimes the business decisions work. Sometimes they don't. You yep. take care of the homegrown guys. Sometimes the deals work. Sometimes you don't get anything for them. And and I've got to give McDaniels and, uh, and Ziegler the benefit of the doubt here. I, I think that they're working together to put something together for Jacobs. We don't know because the organization's been pretty tight-lipped on – what the offer is. Um, I hope that they get a deal worked out. I don't know what Josh and his agent are looking for. Right. Um, he's obviously not going to get as much as he wants, but I just hope he doesn't die on that hill trying to ex- extend the uh, running back room for everybody. Uh, you already mentioned B. John Robinson's getting a lot of money. That's not his fault, and it's not the Raiders' fault right. that somebody else you know, paid more money. But I'm hoping that they get something worked out. I, I, I love Josh Jacobs to death. I wish him nothing but the best. And, of course, I hope he has an injury-free year, regardless of whether he's with the Raiders or not. But we've just got to give this organization a chance to, 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 to work out the number and do the right thing, regardless of whether it means keeping Jacobs or not. Now, I feel pretty certain that Jacobs will be around 
for the beginning of training camp and work, put in the work, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And and I also want to tell people within Raider Nation, let's not panic. I mean, this is a 6-11 and 11 team that we're talking about here. It's not like we're 11 and 16 talking talking about having the linchpin of the organization ready to walk. You know, we, we are, yeah. we're putting something together, so we just need to slow our roll and see what the process is going to be. There he goes, T3. Thanks for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, the problem is, you know, they could put together all they want, but now they can't put it together and they can't get it signed, sealed, and delivered until after the season. That's the, that's the biggest problem. And, you know, again, like I said, and I know Raider Nation doesn't want to hear it, it's not the Raiders that are, are bro- broken. It's the NFL. It's the system. Like, JT talks about systems that are broken all the time. Uh, we have some really good conversations about systems that are broken. And I believe, and this is just my gut feeling, the system – that is the NFL, the way that they pay running backs is broken. I don't know if that means that these guys can, you know, and this won't be able to change until the next CBA, that they can sign a deal sooner. Because right now, rookies cannot get a contract extension until after they had three years in the league. So maybe running backs only get three years, right, with a fourth-year option instead of four years with a fifth-year option. I don't know. Something is broken about the system when it comes to paying running backs. There's no reason Derrick Henry is paid – 169th in the league. You cannot tell me. You could not. I don't care how much of an NFL aficionado you are. You can't tell me 168 players that are in the NFL that are better than Derrick Henry right now. If you can, the line is open. And I'll, and I'll wait. I'll let all 168 rattle off. I don't care if that's a 10-minute call. I know damn well you can't tell me 168 players that are more valuable to their team and better than Derrick Henry. And I don't think you could tell me 168 players that are better than Josh Jacobs and that are more valuable to their team than Josh Jacobs either. I'm just saying. Right? That's just that's just me. Let's get one more quick call. Then we got cover three NFL news and notes of the day coming up. Raider X, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, a lot of great conversation about a lot of ideas and things. Unfortunately, we really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Yep. And uh, to kind of chime in on what you were just talking about right now, um, about, you know, production and points. You know, what if we start paying the kicker, you know, equivalent to a wide receiver or the quarterback because he puts up more points and we have a quarterback that can't score in the red zone. So now we start valuing based upon points scored. Uh, You know, I don't know. They need to relook at that system on that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, going back to the, you know, to the topic at hand of, you know, uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, really, what if they did pick up that fifth-year option? He'd be making $8 million and on a contract. Yeah. And we'd be – reporting to uh you know to uh, to the to the training camp be a totally different scenario and then top of that you know because they did it would he have balled out like that right. and would they have what would they have run him like they did you know i mean there's a lot of you know things and then again no one really knows besides the raiders and josh jacobs of what it, what kind of type of contract he's really looking out for everybody's thinking well you know it's this 16 million or it's this 12 million or or whatever we do not know Right. And you know that's all that's all going to come out, and, and until we understand exactly, but but you know I, I think it's a mix of you know emotions and looking at how much he's valued, but at the same time of the day, I think we all need to peel back and look at he's running also like a business. He knows he's on that franchise tag. Yeah. There's no reason why he needs to go to training camp, and also the Raiders understand that same thing. And we've been talking about for the last few weeks. What if they go out and sign that that number one corner? What if they go out and sign some, and they get some injuries during during preseason while Josh is resting his body or getting right, and they need to spend that money and they rework some deals and then they finally do put him on the contract. 
they, they, they both seem like they have a little flexibility to do the best business decision. And that's what I like about this current Raider regime is that they're making very cold decisions. And, hey, if that's what it needs to take, we need to change, turn the page and stop doing that whole, you know, that good, good fella, you know, organization where you saw Gruden bringing in guys because you thought they were cool. No, man, let's bring in some players. Let's bring in some dogs. If you produce, we're going to sign you. Hey, Raider X out. There he goes. Good call, man. Definitely appreciate you. And yeah, we don't know the behind the scenes. Uh, Josh has been on Twitter, you know, said a few things here and there. Uh, I don't think anyone expected him to get a $16 million deal. I think that that's super unrealistic. But I also, you know, think that somewhere in between you know, 16 and, and 10, I'm sure that they probably wanted to meet in the middle, right? And, and at the end of the day, the guaranteed money is really all that matters. The base salary doesn't. Uh, you know, that's the flexibility that, that NFL uh, franchises have. They can make these contracts any way they want. I mean, hell, remember when Deshaun Watson got his contract? His base salary for the year was like a million bucks. <laughs> right? I mean, he wasn't getting paid hardly anything, but everything was an upfront signing bonus and, and all that guaranteed money just so when he got suspended, it wasn't really like he was losing a whole lot of uh, you know money due to suspension. So there's so many different ways that you can structure contracts to make it work for you. So I, I don't, we don't know the nuts and bolts behind it, but we do know that you know Josh Jacobs is, to Raider X's point, he's treating this as a business as it is, and the organization is treating this as a business as it is. So that's just exactly what they're going to do. Jim from Yonkers hit us up, 69187, keyword R&R. Just because every team does something doesn't make it right. Samir White becomes more valuable. I don't like McDaniels. Say what you want, but most likely no Jacobs or Jimmy G at day one of training camp. Wish that was not the case, but it is what it is. I did not text last week. A young girl's funeral early in the week. Then my brother had a heart attack early Thursday morning while jogging. Three young teenage girls, seniors at Pleasantville High School, saved his life by knowing CPR. They were lifeguards. His life was saved. A basketball coach in Westchester County and runs an overnight basketball camp. We're fortunate he's still with us. It'll be great to listen this week and continue life. I walked in to see him with my Raider hat on and asked, how are you? And asked, how are the Raiders going to be this year? LOL, thanks for a great show. God bless you. Passionate Raider is right. That's Jim from Yonkers. And, man, sorry about all that tragedy. That, uh, that, that sounds all bad. And don't, don't feel bad for not texting in the show, man. You had a lot going on. I'm glad that things are working out. Obviously, it didn't sound... Uh, very positive when it came to that young girl's funeral. And, you know, so sorry for about that. Um, I'm not saying that just because every organization does it, it means it's right. I'm just saying that that's the nature of the beast. That's And it's not – it's not – I'm not writing the rules. The Raiders aren't writing the rules. It's just what it is in the NFL. And if the Raiders had gone – and I'm not saying that this is what they were asking for when it comes to the contract. But it just say that they had gone out and said, okay, hey, he's 33% of our – our offense, let's go ahead and pay them like that. And they gave us some astronomical number. What would everybody have said? Everybody, some people would have been happy that the deal got done, but everyone would have said, what the hell? You don't pay a running back that kind of money? Are you insane? This organization is making stupid decisions. I promise you that would have been the words. That would have been the narrative. So then they don't make the decision, and now it's like, well, hey, because every other body's doing it, doesn't mean you do it. No, I mean, it's, it's what it is. I just rattled off the five highest-paid running backs in the league. Bijan Robinson is number one. He hasn't played a down. Not his fault. It's the system. Christian McCaffrey, $12 million. He was the highest-paid guy at one point, right? And he got traded. Alvin Kamara, all right? Aaron Jones, he just restructured. Nick Chubb. Again, I rattled off earlier in the show about the running back position in general and what has happened this offseason when it came to running backs. If you missed it, I don't mind. I'll say it again. How about this? Again, from Ari Mayrov from 33rdteam.com, frequent guest of the show. Running backs that took a pay cut, Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones. 
Running backs that got cut, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Tag but no deal. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. Wanted a new deal and asked for a trade. Austin Eckler, what'd he end up getting? A million-dollar raise? Like, that's, that's what he ended up getting to keep him from wanting a trade. Has been a free agent all offseason, Kareem Hunt. It's, it's, the system is broken. It's not a certain organization's fault. It's just what it is. It's just like quarterbacks. They get paid an extreme amount of money, right? I mean, it's just – it's too, I think too much, but that's just me, right? So it's just it's, – it's one of those situations. Nobody likes it, especially not the running backs. That's why Josh Jacobs told Paloma Villacana when she said, do you have any kind of uh, – uh, any kind of advice that you tell a young kid? He said, yeah, be a quarterback, not a running back. I got a text from the 707 here on the don'tbebroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword r I can't list 168 players better at football than Henry, but 32 NFL GMs deem those 168 players to be more important to their team. What has Henry done for Tennessee? One playoff run? When it comes down to a good defense, takes the runaway and makes you one-dimensional. That's fine. That that And, again, I'm not – I'm not making the argument. I'm making the argument that there's not 168 players that are better than Derrick Henry, but right now his value in the league is not what it should be. And he's 36%. I mean, you ask what has he done for Tennessee, he's 36% of their offense, which is number one in the league. So what he's doing, and this is my, this is my counter, what his, he's doing as far as what, he, what work he's putting in is not the, the, the value of what he's getting in return is not there. Right, he's putting in the most work in the league, but he's getting less of return. But again, I don't blame Tennessee for that. I blame the way that running backs are paid and the way that they're valued. That's that's my point. Uh, so this is from the two hundred nine. So to be clear, it is what it is now. They can't negotiate again until next offseason for Jacobs, or is there still time? No, there's no time. There's no time. The time is gone. The time is 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 gone and passed. It was one p.m. Pacific time. Uh, now his only option is, is if he's playing, is $10, $10 million. $10.1 million will be his paycheck for this year. They can negotiate after the season. They can franchise him again. They can let him walk a free agency. They can, there's a lot of things they can do after the season, but the real only options are $10 million for the franchise tag. They could have him sign the tag and decide to trade him to another team. That other team will have him play for $10 million. There's no negotiations that could be done until after the season, regardless of what team he plays for. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy, Raider Debate. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Raider? Q, 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 what's going on with you, man? It's been many moons, man, but glad to be back on with you. I wanted to chime in real quick about Josh Jacobs. First off, I love me some Josh Jacobs, man, a bull in a fine too. china shop. Me too. Best running back in, in uh, last year, career year. But can we be real? Let's be honest, though, man. Is he really worthy of the long-term deal? Look, man, I can argue that his 1,600-plus yards last year was about as hollow of a number or stat that you may have ever seen. Did it really equate to any wins? No. Raiders went 6-11. and 11. Right. Now, Q, I don't come on here to say things in shock value and stuff like that. I definitely have stats to back up what I'm saying. Now, when I really look at those 1,600 yards, Josh Jacobs only ran for 100 yards six of the 17 games last year, only six. Now, the Raiders went 5-1 and one in the games that he ran for over 100 yards, but it also shows that they went 1-10 in the games that he didn't run for 100 yards. So I'm not sure if that shows his value or if that he doesn't get 100 yards that the Raiders are not going to win the game. Right. Then you look at the games that he did run for 100 yards. He ran for 100 yards against Denver twice. 
uh, actually the Raiders ran for over 450 yards in, in those games combined, but the Denver defense has a horrible rush defense. The Chargers had a horrible rush defense. Houston probably had one of the worst rush defenses maybe of all time. Uh, Seattle, horrible rush defense. Kansas City, the one team that he ran for 100 yards and we actually lost, even though the stats don't show it, Kansas City had somewhat of a bad rush defense last year, too. And remember, he didn't get that two-point conversion um, that would have actually won us the game in Kansas City that time. So McDaniels is a system guy. You know what I mean? Raiders ran for over 2,000 yards last year. Um, and the Patriots, the year before that, when Daniels, McDaniels was the offensive coordinator, ran for over 2,000 yards. So I don't think it really matters who's running the ball. We're probably going to run for over 2,000 yards. So I don't know, man. I'm not sure if a long-term deal for Jacobs is, is the winning thing. It may be actually a losing play. Thanks, Q. Hey, great call. Great call. Great stats to back it up. And I remember it's funny when you say 5-1 and one with uh, you know games where he ran, ran for 100-plus yards. I think that was my theme every week. Like every week leading up to the game, it's like, all right, Q, what's your keys to the game this week? And one of my first stats was Josh Jacobs run for 100 yards because exactly what he said. The Raiders were a winning team when he ran for over 100 yards. I remember that Kansas City game. I still don't agree with some of the personnel – or not personnel decisions, but some of the, the decisions that went into that game that week five, but that's not my, that's not my place. I'm not the coach. The coach makes those calls, and he was very comfortable and confident and probably make the same calls again. That's fine. And a lot of people will tell me, Q, those, those were the right analytical calls. Okay, cool. No problem. I'm not an analytical guy. I know that it's a part of the game. I know it's a massive part of the game. But for me, not so much. So that's cool. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's the argument. As much as no one wants to hear it, and I'm, I'm with the Raider debate. I'm a Josh Jacobs guy. I was a Josh Jacobs guy before the Raiders ever drafted him. <laughs> right? I was a big fan of Josh Jacobs before he ever got drafted. He'll tell you that. Right. I mean, don't make me go back to play the pre-draft conversation that I had with him in Nashville before the Raiders selected him because I can. I'm a Josh Jacobs guy. I'm no way saying the hell with him and all the any running back could do it. I'm quite the opposite. But I also understand the, the business of the NFL. And sometimes it stinks. My buddy Freddie Coleman uh, from ESPN Radio, Freddie Fitzsimmons, he always says, uh, just like in New Jack City, it's nothing personal. It's just business, B. Like, that's, that's what it is. It's nothing personal. It's just business, B. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. Let's get one more quick text, then we'll take a break. We do have my guy Shane Hallam from uh, Draft Countdown coming up next, trying to give us a little bit of early idea of who we should be paying attention to this college football season. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q and Ari, happy Monday, gentlemen. The Jacobs news to me is not surprising as we are in a new age of running backs in the NFL. I'm not mad at our front office nor Jacobs as it's a business. Moving forward now, I do believe in our coaching staff and we'll have the running back position ready to go as depth is important here. Again, I'm not mad at this. I hope Jacobs put together another solid season. Shout out to the state of Texas as my first visit over the weekend was a great one for the family reunion. I'm back now and I repeat, I won't miss that blazing Texas 100 degree heat. LOL. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Glad you made it back safely. Glad you had a good trip to, uh, to, to Texas. I believe it was San Antonio. Isn't that what he said last week, Ari, that he was going to San Antonio? I think it was San Antonio. I think, I think so. I told him to go to the Riverwalk and check out the Selena Bridge. <laughs> I always shout out the Selena Bridge because the wife, whenever we'd be in San Antonio, uh, we'd always go up there. She has a sister that lives in San Antonio, so we'd go up there sometimes, and we'd go to the Riverwalk because that's what you do when you're in San Antonio. You go to the Riverwalk, and she'd always point out, oh, there's a Selena Bridge. So, <laughs> yeah, I always tell everybody, anytime someone's like, like even Carolina Teague, when she's like, what do we have in San Antonio? I'm like, you got the Selena Bridge. What else do you want? You got Selena. 
can't go wrong. But uh, yeah, uh, and, and again, like you said, uh, you know, talking about the running back position, it is it is a business, and it is unfortunate. But that's just the name of the game. Before we take a break, Ari, I did want to play one more soundbite from Bill Barnwell. Uh, again, he was on my radio show on Saturday on ESPN Radio, and we'll get to our callers in, in just a little bit. I did want to play this because, look, running backs, even when they get a second contract, they're not even allowed to finish their second contract. So here's Bill Barnwell talking about running backs getting released or restructured when they finally do get that second deal, like Cook, like Zeke, like Joe Mixon. It's really changing. You know, I think – the big difference for me between this year and years past is we're seeing kind of these veteran backs lose their second contracts quicker. I mean, these guys, it feels like they're older than they are. Delvin Cook, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, those guys are 27, 28 years old. I mean, that's still the prime of your career at most positions. So uh, I, I do think we're going to see that, that, that sort of second contract come into some question about what kind of guarantees there are, how long those guarantees are. You know, maybe instead of three three years of guaranteed money on those deals, maybe you're going to get two years of guaranteed money on those second contracts. But what we still haven't seen, to me, I think the like the real point of no return, the point where I think the NFL will have gone too far, is if you have a player who really excels on his rookie deal at running back, when it's, who the NFL team says, ah, oh, we're good, we're just going to move on. That hasn't happened yet. Like your Alvin Kamara's of the world, your Dalvin Cooks, all those guys got second deals. And the guy that stands out to me right now is Jonathan Taylor, where Jonathan Taylor is a superstar when he's healthy. Obviously, he was the, the driving force for the Colts in 2021. And injuries last year, but still a very good player. If they come out after his contract comes up and says, ah, we're good, we're going to move on, I think that's the the real drastic shift for me. But so far, we have not seen a team be willing to do that and I don't think that's going to go over well when it happens. Bill Bartonwell right there. Again, he was on ESPN on Saturday just talking about the state of the running back position. And even when you get that second contract, more times than not, that running back is not able to fulfill it for one reason or the other. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to Quick. Welcome to the show, Quick. Two ball, what it do? Chilling, man. Chilling, you all right? Yeah, man, I'm chilling. Uh, it's oh happy day for me because you know how I feel about this topic. Uh, I'm glad we tagging. I'm glad that we are not setting the market. There is absolutely no need for the Raiders to go out and make a mistake like overpaying for Josh Jacobs. We've got him on a tag. He's going to make a nice, clean, almost 11 mil. Uh, if he duplicates his performance from this season, we got to pay him. I will, okay. I will write my own damn check. I'll try to pay him a little something. Right. But, but, it, but my thing is like, I, I didn't feel like we needed to go out and set the market this time. Why didn't we? Why can't we get a team-friendly deal every now and then from a homegrown guy? Right? Everybody wants to talk about respect. People calling up, comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Barnwell just told y'all right. if we pay him, what's going to happen? Right. He's not going to make it to the end. JJ has not proved until last season during hmm, a contract year. What a conundrum, right? That he just balled out play through injury more than he had ever in his career with us. Right. So everybody quiet, quit it out. This is the Raiders we're talking about. This is not a Raiders situation. Q has been saying it all show. This is an NFL situation. Take y'all feelings out of this. 
a magic cue ball piece, man. Hey, great call, man. Appreciate it. Definitely good stuff right there from our guy Quick, and that's what we're looking back for. We're looking for feedback like that, man. 702-365-9200 when we don't have a guest, and of course, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. My man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio this afternoon. Coming up next, Shane P. Hallam from the Draft Countdown. Give us a little bit of an early idea of what to look for in the 2023 uh, college football season. That's coming up next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We've been throwing the question out there about running back Josh Jacobs as he did not get the contract extension he was looking for by that 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific time deadline. So when does he show up for the Raiders? Training camp starts first day of practice the 26th. When do you think Josh Jacobs shows up? Week one? Week 10? Does he do what I think is career suicide and sit out for a season? What do you think? 69187, keyword R&R. That's also the same number that you use if you ever have a question for any of our guests that we have, including our next one, uh, managing partner from the Draft Countdown, Shane Hallam. And, Shane, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And I know it's funny talking draft when it's July and we haven't seen training camp yet, but – you know, we always want to look forward and see what we see, and I know college football is right around the corner. So I really wanted to get a good idea from you of players that I should be on the lookout for and maybe Raider Nation should be on the lookout for that you know could be big-time players this college football season. Before we get to any of that, what do you think about the running back position and the way that it's valued where Bijan Robinson is actually going to be the highest-paid running back uh, per year so far this, this upcoming year. For, uh, and he's a rookie. He hasn't played it down yet. It's sort of wild. I think it's wild to see how the positions become devalued. I think it's been kind of a long time coming. If you go back to the Mike Shanahan days with Terrell Davis and just getting those late round running backs that could work in his own system, I think as we see more teams moving to his own blocking schemes, you don't necessarily need an elite talent at running back, and it might be better to have a couple of guys. Um, look, I, I think the running backs get maybe a raw deal in all of this because they're, uh, their position gets hit a ton. But it also has affected the draft because now, uh, you know, Bijan went, went in the first round. You know, Jameer Gibbs is kind of more weapon than running back. I think teams are looking for running backs that can catch out of the backfield, line up in the slot, do a lot of different things. And if you can't do that, then we're not going to take you to round four, round five. Right, and you're a guy that covers the draft like a glove, and you're preparing all year long for the draft and you know, studying all these players. How much of it is supply and demand, and there's so many guys that are talented coming out of, the, uh, out of college, and, and they're coming even from small schools and still big-time running backs? Right, I think, I think that's part of the issue is there's more running backs than maybe the teams necessarily need. Once again, you, when you can plug in a player that, you know, like an Austin Eckler that we saw as an undrafted free agent or some of these late, you know, Damian Pierce for the Texans went in the fourth round, was a bell cow for them. I, I think you can find those, those running backs later and later in the draft. And even though there are a ton of talented college players, I think this 2024 class is another good group of running backs. But if you push me to say, is there going to be one that goes in the first round? I, I might bet against it, even though I think there is talent that should go in the first round. And that's kind of what we're coming down to, is if you have a running back already, there's no need to draft another one. If you don't, uh, you can load up on a couple and probably be fine. 
Talking again with Shane Hallam from the Draft Countdown. He's a mar- managing partner here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Now, I kind of was looking back at some of your work, and uh, I got to give you so much credit for putting out a mock draft in July, but you did. And as I was going over it, you know, there was only three quarterbacks that were selected in round one in your, your mock draft. How deep is this quarterback class going to be, or do you think it's going to be uh, coming in a, up in April? I think it was similar to last year where we knew – you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud were the guys going into the season. I think we know that Caleb Williams from USC and Drake May from North Carolina, those are kind of the two studs, two guys that are probably going to go top five in the NFL draft. After that, there's a lot of question marks, and you can certainly have some players prop up. We saw Anthony Richardson do it. We saw Will Levis kind of get some team. I think it's going to happen again. Not Bo Nix, the quarterback for Oregon, who had a tumultuous career at Auburn, five-star recruit, and then transferred to Oregon and blew up last year, really looked like a pro quarterback going in the first round. He got a day two grade from the underclassmen committee last year, decided to go back to school. But, but it's a deep class, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that people like. Um, Quinn Ewers from Texas hasn't quite met expectations yet, but he has a chance. He has the physical talent to be a first-round pick. Riley Leonard from Duke, not a school you usually get a ton of quarterbacks from. Then we have Daniel Jones. He's someone that's getting day two buzz. So there's a ton of players. Maybe a Joe Milton from Tennessee has that Anthony Richardson upside. So I think we're going to see a couple more quarterbacks jockeying for the first round. But if you had a hard press for who it is after the top two, I think it's tough to say. I did want to take you back to last year's draft. And in round four, the Raiders went and selected Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. What does, in your opinion, does Aiden O'Connell, as you studied him, what does he bring to the table for a franchise? I love his mental makeup. I think Aiden O'Connell is a player who understands how to read a defense and work within the system and scheme they had there at Purdue that's moving down to Louisville this year. You know, he did really well at pre-snap identifying the matchup that he wanted and targeting that matchup. I think it's such an underrated skill for the quarterback position. You know, solid arm. He he has decent ball placement. He's not going to be much of a a big-time, you know, runner or athlete. But I think that intelligence, which works in Josh McDaniel's system, that if you can read a defense and understand what's happening, it can work. So I actually really like the fit with the Raiders. I'm not sure there's a better place that I would rather have Aiden O'Connell go. I think there's a little bit of upside there. Maybe it's a little bit capped. But he's someone, if you have to fill in a pinch, I think in a close game, he could win it for you. Now, I, I keep telling everyone that will listen that I don't want to see him at all in 2023, but do you think that at some point down the line Aiden O'Connell could turn into a franchise quarterback for the Raiders or someone else? I'll never say never. I think it's possible. You know, I worry about some of the arm limitations, especially some of the downfield accuracy. You know, he's, he's, uh, The system that he worked within really was kind of one read uh, after the snap. So I think there's some things to work on. But if you get a little bit of development there in terms of post-snap, if you get a little bit of development in terms of the accuracy and some of his footwork, um, you know, if you can maybe even shorten the release a little bit, I think the upside is there that he could be a starter down the line. I probably wouldn't bet on it, but it could happen. Again, we're talking with Shane Hallam, managing partner from the Draft Countdown. You can find him on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam, and uh, he's here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as you're doing your early projections – uh, what positions are you looking at that you're saying, okay, you know what, these are deeper than you know normal? Like last year, the tight end class was just really, really deep. What 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 class are you looking at now that you think is going to be very deep in this uh, this draft? I think the offensive tackle class it's going to be a really good trench class because right. uh, we kind of have two elite talents on offensive tackle. 
Joe Alden out of Notre Dame and Olu Pashanu out of Penn State. And I think there's another maybe four guys that can play their way into the first round. I think that's a good position. Defensive line, defensive tackle. Uh, we saw some guys go back to school like Jerzon Newton out of Illinois. Who maybe could have been a first-round pick this past year. Ohio State has a couple potential first-round defensive linemen. And, you know, Georgia's going to restock with Nazir Stackhouse. I think we could even see four or five defensive tackles go in the first round. Uh, and it's a pretty good corner group. There's a, some very athletic corners out there. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama is probably the top guy, but you have guys like Cooper DeGene from Iowa, Kalen King from Penn State, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia, uh, who's probably first-round pick. So I think it's going to be a big trench draft uh, and maybe some of that secondary top in too. How excited are you for the start of, of college football, just so you can see it all play out in real time? I, I can't wait. It's always like kind of waiting for the draft like Christmas. I feel like waiting for uh, waiting for the college season to start. It's like your birthday. You know, you, you get to finally, like, I've been watching these guys. I've been trying to watch and prepare for the summer. And now, you know, I get to kind of open the birthday gifts and we actually see if they've improved, if they've gotten worse, you know, what, what's happening. Uh, so I'm excited. A couple weeks away, I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I, I love college football. I love watching it for multiple different reasons, including trying to scout some of these players and see what they could do on the next level. But, of course, the pageantry of college football is excellent as well. Is there a guy or a couple guys that we're not talking about right now that you think by the end of the college football season that they're going to be almost household names? Yeah, I think there's a few. Uh, running back-wise, we're talking running backs. I think Trey Benson out of Florida State really came on late in the year. I think Florida State's going to be a playoff team this year, and if so, it's mm. going to be on the back of him and quarterback Jordan Travis. I think Benson has such good vision, good size, but, man, his explosion just gets me on film every time. I think he's someone that needs to, you know needs a lot more uh, credit. Uh, on the defensive side, I really like Chop Robinson from Penn State. Uh, you know, we talked about Michael Parsons as kind of an elite prospect back in the days, becoming an elite NFL player. I think Chop Robinson has that potential with a high recruit for Maryland transferred last year. I mean, and he, he really made that defense run uh, with he's had some really great players for Penn State. So I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's going to maybe turn into a first-round pick. And then watch out for uh, Dorian Singer, the wide receiver at USC with Caleb Williams, transferred there from Arizona. I thought at Arizona he was making a lot of these Pac-12 corners that I watched the last year's draft that got drafted in top 100 look silly. Uh, so I think Jordan Singer's going to do the same thing at USC and then maybe end up being a top three wide receiver in this class. All right, so final question for you, Shane. i got to ask about the quarterback position. Caleb Williams, Drake May, we know that those are the top two guys. Does Caleb Williams put in another Heisman Trophy-like season or does somebody else steal that spot? Like maybe Drake May jump up and get it. I gotta trust Caleb Williams. I mean, we've seen him do it for a year and a half, and as a true freshman, he was already doing it. I think there's been a lot out there, like oh, Drake May, six five, two twenty, athletic. Uh, there are NFL teams that like him more than Caleb Williams. Uh, no, I, I think Caleb Williams. We know what he is. We've seen him do it at an elite level. I think Drake May's great, but uh, a lot of new pieces there for that North Carolina offense. I, I trust Caleb Williams to have uh, an excellent year in USC to win the Pac-12. Well, it should be a fun year watching college football. Of course, uh, college football gets started at the NFL's right around the corner. And, of course, we watch all the college football to see who makes the playoffs and who uh, who's end up uh, you know, positioning themselves in the draft a lot better uh, for themselves next year. So we look forward to that. Well, Shane, thanks so much for giving us an early, you know, kind of early guys to look at and some early position group uh, knowledge. We definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? 
No, we're relaunching the site here in mid-August, so it'll be a new seven-round 2024 mock draft. But I'm also keeping my eye out for 2025 prospects for the 2025 draft and even the 2026 draft. So if you want to look <laughs> in the future, head over to Draft Counting. You are a sick, sick man, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Twenty Man, that's a lot of work right there, but someone's got to do it. Shane, you're doing great work over there at the Draft Countdown. We definitely appreciate you. No, thanks for having me. No problem. There he goes. Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. Man, 2024, 2025, 2026 draft. That is some dedication to the craft right there. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all, but I did want to get a little bit of an early, you know, thoughts on who to look out for, uh, who to pay attention to, a couple teams to pay attention to, and I uh, even got some thoughts on Aiden O'Connell, uh, the Raiders' fourth-round rookie out of Purdue. Many thanks to Shane. We do appreciate it. And we appreciate you as well. As a matter of fact, call number nine right now, 702-365-9200. You want to go to the Battle for Vegas? That's the Raiders versus the Golden Knights. I have an idea. It's going to be a hell of an event. It's sold out. But we've got your tickets. So call number nine right now is going to get a pair of tickets to Battle for Vegas. It's a softball, charity softball game between the Golden Knights and the Raiders. It's going down on the 22nd. If you look at the calendar, that's this upcoming Saturday. I'm trying to put those tickets in your hand right now. Call number nine, 702-365-9200. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Raiders with first and goal on the Dolphins' one. Zamir White, the setback handoff, trying the middle. Zamir White pushing, pushing in. TDLV, an opening drive touchdown for the Raiders on a one-yard punch for Zamir White. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. How much of that will we hear this season? How much Zamir White in the end zone will we hear this season as that was a touchdown? You heard Jason Horowitz on the call. That was a little August action, a little preseason action right there for Zamir White. He got plenty of burn in the preseason, not so much when it came to the regular season. That was all the Josh Jacobs show. Of course, Josh Jacobs did not get a contract extension. He has one year, $10 million. Uh, you know, that's the fully guaranteed deal. And, of course, uh, you get paid with the game checks. Each each game, you get a check. So that's what he's in line to get if he shows up week one. When will Josh Jacobs show up? Well, that's the question that we've been throwing out there. And it's funny, uh, a lot of running backs, as just when Wendy pointed out on Twitter, a lot of running backs are tweeting, really great to see them support each other uh, all as brothers, and they are. Derek Henry, who I mentioned, not 168 guys in the league that are better than him, but he's getting paid 169th. He was responsible for 36% of the Titans' scrimmage yards in 2022. He tweeted, at this point, just take the running back position out of the game then. The ones that want to be great and work as hard as they can to give all, give their all to an organization just seems like it don't even matter. I'm with every running back that's fighting to get what they deserve. That's King Henry right there. And there's been plenty of other ones. Najee Harris has been tweeting. Other running backs have been tweeting. We know what happened this offseason when it came to running backs, and a lot of them had to restructure their deals. Some of them are still out on the free agent market, like a Zeke Elliott, like a Dalvin Cook, like a, a Kareem Hunt. All guys available right now. Guys like Joe Mixon. Aaron Jones, they had to restructure their deal. But it's funny, Derek Henry mentions, just take the running back position out of the game then. And when I was on the radio on Saturday on ESPN and we had Bill Barnwell, and you've heard a couple sound bites from him so far, I actually asked him that question. I said, are we looking, you know, five, six, seven years down the line where the running back is not even a position anymore? It's more like another player out on the field. Really, it's like positionless. There's another player out on the field that you use just however you can use them. Is that where we're kind of trending to? I think for sure that's going to be how 
people want to position themselves, but um, it depends. You know, I think there's there's certain players where I think you can say that. Christian McCaffrey is a good example. Austin Eckler is a good example where those guys, their receiving production is really impressive. Um, I think there are other running backs where not quite as much in terms of the efficiency when they are pass catchers. Like Saquon Barkley, I think, is a, you know, he can catch the ball, and I think he's a, this is partly defined by how he's used, but he had the third worst yards per reception of any player over the past two seasons. And that's just because they're using him as a safety valve. He's not going to be a guy who splits out for you, and he's not going to be a guy who plays in the slot very often. So um, I, I think those running backs, as they, you know, I think things have changed already where those guys who have to be running back and catch the ball now. You can't just be a guy who just runs the ball. You have to have multiple skills. And I think being an essential part of the passing game is going to be something that running backs have to do uh, over the course of the next five or 10 years. I think you're going to have to be a guy where your minimum is, is 40, 50 catches a year to be considered a great running back or a, a great playmaker, like you said, in part of an offense. So that was Bill Barnwell from ESPN. That was on Saturday on uh, primetime, and he was just talking about the running back position and how it's really starting to become positionless. And, you know, Saquon Barkley, because he was holding on to that franchise tag, just like Josh Jacobs, uh, he's talked about so much. And, of course, he's in that New York market. He's talked about as much as well. Over the course of five years, Barkley played in 60 games, has 4,294 yards rushing and 29 touchdowns on the ground, 247 career catches, 1,820 yards and eight touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, in the course of four years, has 60 games total played, 4,740 yards rushing, 40 touchdowns, 160 career catches, 1,152 yards with no touchdowns. So a little bit less when it comes to yardage reception-wise, a little bit less actual catches, but more production on the ground, more touchdowns on the ground, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, upper echelon running back, just like Saquon Barkley, and has proven to be healthier than Saquon Barkley throughout the course of his career. And, oh, by the way, in February, he just turned 25, so he's still a young dude. Got a text from Brad in Concord on the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r It's just a trip, the overall declined use of running backs. In high school, a couple decades ago, teams running the wing T or straight T, three running backs behind the quarterback, a fullback, and two halfbacks. Now at the snap, we're lucky to regularly just see one. That makes it tough on players like Jacobs who want to hold on to the value of that position. It's all so different. Not bad, just different. And he brings up a good point, right? There was a, there was a point, uh, especially in high school football, and I covered a lot of high school football in Texas, the best athletes were the quarterback and the running back. And a lot of times those guys were interchangeable, right? Because it was just you put the best dude, you wanted the ball in the best athlete's hand. A lot of times that was a quarterback. Well, now we see the way that college ball has developed and evolved that a lot of times that quarterback that played quarterback in high school is now playing quarterback in college as well. A lot of times back in the day, I remember DJ Williams, for example, he went to De La Salle, and he was a hell of a running back at De La Salle. He went to the NFL. He actually went to college. You know what he played? Linebacker. <laughs> right? right. He went to the University of Miami, turned into a linebacker, and the Broncos ended up selecting him, and he was a linebacker. But he was a hell of a running back. A lot of times that position develops into something else, and you know, I think that you're going to start to see these guys that play these positions start to develop into something else moving forward as well just because, again, the running back position is kind of, I don't want to say being phased out of the game, but it's somewhat being phased out of the game. The wife just showed up, so you know it's party time at the Q household. I'm just saying. Coming up, hour number three of the show, Tyler Dragon kicks things off. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.